We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. It's my favorite film podcast. I'm Gav Smith. Um, hope you're enjoying this new series, new format that I've got going. It's a much quicker format, shorter episodes, and our fortnightly release schedule. If you're not enjoying it or you want to talk about it, get in touch. Twitter at myfavoritefilm or email myfavoritefilmpodcast at gmail.com. This episode, we're going into the realms of science fiction and a sequel that was probably as successful or more successful than the original. And I'm joined by Kat Hughes. Could you introduce yourself, please, Kat? Yeah, uh, my name's Kat Hughes. I am a freelance film writer who sort of specialises in horror and more sort of films within the in the genre sphere I've got bylines with the hollywood news that's we're primarily right for but then also film stories film hounds and most recently ghouls magazine so as i said it's a science fiction film tonight um but actually a sequel to what was basically a horror film um james cameron came along and made a very very different film the original can you tell us a little bit about film what it is a synopsis, if possible? Yeah, so we are talking about Aliens, which was released in 1986. Uh, it's a sequel to Ridley Scott's 1979 oh. Alien, and it sees Ripley return to the planet of her trauma with a group of colonial marines to what she believes is to wipe them out once and for all, but there's some other people amongst the group that have other ideas. Very, very different ideas. The whole company thing started here, doesn't it, really? Yes, it did indeed. Aliens is a franchise, is an amazing franchise, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. When did you first see Aliens, so this film? So we did uh, at my house when I was about seven, maybe eight. We did a week of the Alien films, and there was only three at the time. Wow. So we did... Right. Alien one night, Aliens the second night, and Alien three the third night. So yeah, it was at home, and I think it was kind. I feel like it was meant to be punishment in a in a weird way. It's one <laughs> one of my one of my mum's boyfriends at the time. He was the one that was like, "Oh no, she should watch these films," and I think he. <laughs> wanted to enjoy me sort of being terrified by them <laughs> and alien did scare me but by aliens yeah. i was like this film is perfect so the jokes the jokes on him because he didn't scare me at all he just give, yeah. gave me a lifelong obsession so fair enough <laughs> yeah when you say that because alien very much is a is a horror it's got all the horror tropes for haunted house serial killer slasher movie whatever you like but aliens is a very different beast it's um I don't think it's horrorous. I don't think you could even list it as horror, could you? I don't know. I think there are some horror elements to it, but yeah, Cameron plays much more for the action spectacle, sort of war yeah. movie, um, sort of war allegory, rather yeah, yeah. than the, yeah. the slasher in space sort of film. Right. So that was... So you're saying you were seven when you watched it. That's, that's yes. really early to watching it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know I didn't see it when I was seven. <laughs> I probably saw it when it came out on TV. So I might have been 12 or 13 at the time, but you know. Um, yeah. Wow. Seven. So the first version you've seen there would have been the, the original cut then. Yes. Yes, it was. I guess. Yeah. Before the all the directors cut stuff. And we'll, we'll probably get into that a little bit there. So... I was going to ask what attracted you, but you you weren't attracted to it at all. You were kind of forced as a punishment to watch it. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I kind of I can't remember. I'd seen Terminator and Terminator Two, and I right. really liked them. So I guess that yeah. might have been some through line with thinking. I think it was kind of just like they wanted to watch them, and they didn't want to have to wait until I'd gone to bed, so they were just <laughs> put on. And it was it was a very different time in the nineties. Yeah, yes. adults didn't really mind what they chucked their kids in front of. And obviously yeah. these days that's changed. I've got a four-year-old and there's no way in three years she's sitting down and watch Aliens. That's, that's not happening. Um, sure? I don't know. She's very keen. She's very keen to watch Evil Dead Rise at the moment. That's the one that she All keeps. Right. <laughs> 
there was this wow. like, there was this marketing app where you took a picture and it made you a dead eye and put you in the book of the dead all oh, right and yep. she likes having a picture taken so she got very into that very enthusiastic all her toys had to have <laughs> a picture and got turned into a dead eye and then she was like can i watch the trailer and it's like i don't think you can watch the trailer just yet because i think no. it might scare you a little bit because you are only four um, yeah so yeah it was it was put to me rather than me seeking it out but right i don't think it would have been too much longer before i was sniffing around for it yeah so you said it it gave you a lifelong obsession was that just with with alien itself or with sort of horror or science fiction which or all of those genres in one go kind of a kind of all but the yeah alien franchise became an instant an instant hit with me uh, to the point of I went to primary school and wrote a play. So we <laughs> performed an assembly, which was aliens distilled into 15 minutes. Wow. Wow. Um, again, I don't know why the teachers let us do it because <laughs> they would have seen the film. And we were like, we want it. We've seen this film because some of my friends had seen it. Some of them hadn't. Yeah. Like I said, it was the 90s. It was just the done thing, apparently. And we went to the teachers and we're like, this is the... Because our teachers didn't like doing assemblies. And me and my friends yeah. were kind of drama brats. So they were always very willing <laughs> to let us take over an assembly. We're like, oh, we've seen this film. We want to do it. It's aliens. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. The only caveat they had was that we couldn't end it. We had to put something in in the end so that it didn't scare the littlies so we did the age-old trope <laughs> of like or was it all a dream hey. uh, you know but i'm very kind <laughs> to films that follow that trope having you know at the age of like eight yeah. to do it but yeah that was that that was fun so there's a, a documentary that came out a couple of years ago called alien on stage which follows a group of amdram people who put on a show in um london which right. was their own version of Alien. And I was like, well, this is a great idea, but I had it at like eight and we did Alien. <laughs> yes, yeah, already done um, it. <laughs> we, we had to change some. St we, I mean, we had to get it into 15 minutes. So, well, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a task. Yeah. Well, we started basically on the planet. We kind of, we, the, we opened, yeah. we opened with narration, which was basically the blurb from the back of the VHS. Yeah, after 57 <laughs> years, Ripley is found floating in space. Um, and then it kind of ended before she, before like the queen battle. So, right, but um, we had a heavy female cast, we had a female Hicks and a female Hudson, and right. Newt was a very popular character. So, we had to have a little sister for Newt. And yeah. I, this this highlights how young we all were. We <laughs> were apparently old enough to watch Aliens, but we weren't old enough to figure out that an accompanying amphibious name to Newt um, would be Tadpole. So instead, we called Newt's <laughs> little sister Froglet. <laughs> old enough to watch the film, not old enough to learn that a baby frog is called a tadpole. That's that's kind Excellent. of uh that. Well done. but yeah I, I think i think we were pretty sort of look back at it and go no we did it we pretty did a pretty decent job we we had blake not i'd misheard drake's name as blake and he had a chestburster scene and like he's you know, he yeah. pushed his hand out of his shirt and then we had somebody in black behind him who then sort of like jumped out to be like the the adult xenomorph um Excellent. it was great imagination for, for kids i look back and go wow Again, I don't know why yeah. my teachers let us do it. And it's a shame that it was before the times of everyone videoing everything because I'm yeah. sure I'm sure we would be viral by now. But I would have thought that would have gone viral straight away. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Teachers was... let kids do alien in assembly. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how long the school would have remained open after that. But <laughs> possibly not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a, an instant obsession. I think if the colonial marines had been a thing, I would have like signed up there and <laughs> there and then. So you'd have been yeah, out there fighting xenomorphs. Yeah, it's it's been with me sort of ever since since a young age, and it's become a, a big comfort film it can just go on in yeah. the background when i'm writing or whatever and yeah, yeah it's it's always there yeah so i'm guessing then when it 
has been released in its many different formats. You were there waiting for the the new version to come out. Yeah, yeah, we've got what, it. What's gone? Because we've got it VHS, DVD, the Blu-ray, the anthology, the you know UHDs and stuff. Yeah, just mm. constantly updating it, and I'll never not get sucked into watching it if I stumble across it on the telly. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, what do you think of the 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 extended cut as it's it's kind of no it's not director's cut it's an extended cut well james cameron has said it's his preferred cut the film that adds in that backstory of newts the the town being attacked and all that type of thing that extra it's about 45 minutes or something at the start 15 minutes at the start and then an extra half an hour throughout the whole thing isn't it so what do you think of that version well, I already knew what was going to happen before I watched the extended version because I right. was a massive alien nerd. So at the age of about nine, I acquired Alan Dean Foster's Alien Omnibus, which yeah. was the novelizations of all the films. And obviously yeah. when you're doing an adaptation of a film, you get you work from a script. So yeah. he worked on the shooting script. So I knew these bits, but I... I enjoy sort of both versions of the film, but I do think it's a richer viewing experience to watch the extended version, mainly for yeah. understanding Ripley. In the theatrical version, you see her turn up and she encounters this young girl, Newton. They form this this bond, and I guess you can yeah. sort of read it as they both survived this unimaginable horror. They're the only two that yeah. know what is going to happen, and they're kind of bonded by trauma. But equally, it could also just be read as, oh, well, she's a woman and it's a child. So, yeah, that's what yeah. women do when they see a child. <laughs> but the context given in the extended edition is that Ripley was a mother, and while she's been away, her daughter has grown up and has passed yeah. away. And so yeah. she's dealing with this grief of having lost a child that she hasn't ever really known and then yeah. suddenly she's confronted with a child who is pretty much the same age as her daughter was the last time she saw her. And it suddenly makes a lot more sense. So I like the extended yeah. edition for that. I also like, as you mentioned, the, that we see some more of Newt and the, the Hadley Hope compound. Yeah. And you know, it's Newt's family that get sent to the coordinates and bring the face hugger and start everything off. Yeah. There's a, yeah. a dark, dark horse comic um, a Newt's Tale, which has that section of the extended edition, but then it also continues Newt's story right up until she gets found by Ripley. Uh, and right, it okay. fills in the horrors with obviously her parents, the one with the face hugger. So it's kind of mirroring yeah, those scenes yeah. in Alien where Kane gets it attached to him. Yeah. And then you see the the fights that cause the the acid spills that Ripley and the Marines yep. find when they do their sweep around the compound. So that's right. a that's a really sort of like an extra bit that that enriches it, and I'll have to find that one. Yeah, it's, it's good. good. And then I enjoy the the conversation about the Queen again in the theatrical right. version. Yep. It's kind of there's a brief chatter about who who's laying these eggs. Um, yeah, but it doesn't. Really, but the the extended edition likens a xenomorph to ants, which. Yes. I find really fascinating and I've yeah. got like a big respect for ants <laughs> since because like, they're, <laughs> yeah. just, they're just mini xenomorphs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I find, because obviously yeah. all, all of that was Cameron's own mind child. Yeah. In the extended edition of Alien, Ridley Scott had had an attempt at the alien life cycle and it was basically that the victims were then turned into eggs Yes. So it's like Ripley finds, she finds Dallas and he's sort of on his way to being turned into an egg. Yeah. And that just seems very body horror sci-fi. Just, it doesn't, yeah. it makes no logical sense why that would be. And then for Cameron to think up, well, maybe they're just like ants and there's the drone xenomorphs and then there's a queen xenomorph. It just kind of made a lot more sense and really, I think, helped solidify the, the mythology that then... Yeah the franchise is then built upon. Yeah. So if you then back engineer what Ridley Scott was trying to do with Dallas in the engine room, it kind of does work that he was being blended at the wall for an egg to appear from somewhere, but we're not sure where. Yeah. So obviously it's it's a sequel, that Ridley Scott film. Um, and I think it's one of those sequels that falls into that, that bracket of it's better than or 
as good as the original. Which side of the, the fence do you fall down on that? I'm guessing you're going to prefer Alien to Aliens, but... Yeah, I think they're tonally, they're very different. I think a they lot are, of yeah. sequels, a lot of sequels, it's just the old lather, rinse, repeat, isn't it? And yeah. Cameron, this is only his third film, but already mm. he was deciding that he didn't want to do the same thing all over again. He wanted to do something different. And he'd been working on the sequel to Rambo. He'd been working on yep. the script for that. And then that kind of fed into his idea for aliens. So I think yeah. you can I, you can enjoy both of them and you can sort of put them both at an, at an equal level. I think some other sequels in other series, it's a very different case because they are just doing the same thing, perhaps slightly better. But in this instance, they're two very different stories. And just, I think Alien speaks to me more because of the female angle, I think. Yeah. In Alien, yeah, sure, Ridley cast Sigourney Weaver in a role that was originally written for a man. Yeah. But Cameron really hones in on her female side, on her, on the mother bond, you know, the mother daughter yeah. bond between Definitely. her and New, but also just, you know, strong women, even outside of Ripley's, got Ripley's transformation from sort of traumatized flight flight officer to warrior woman rescuing her surrogate daughter but then you've also got characters like vasquez who is just really tough she's kind of the toughest (laughs) the toughest marine there is you know even the men sort of respect her and just i grew up in a sort of a single parent female household and i was brought up on a solid diet of terminator and (laughs) aliens so i didn't realize really that there was that much inequality between the genders yeah, until yeah. I kind of grew up and went out into the world. I've been <laughs> brought up on Cameron, Cameron women. And I was very, and it's got me into some trouble because I don't, because if I've been brought up in, in that way, yeah, I'm yeah. not afraid to stand up to, to a man that thinks he's got some sort of authority over me. So yeah. it's very good to empower you know little girls, but yeah, it definitely yeah, certainly Cameron's version of Ripley is a very different Ripley than Ridley Scott's. As you say, it, it was a part that was written as a male part and they didn't really change it much. He just became this kind of, I don't know, androgynous kind of character that was played by a woman. Yeah, and also, but I mean, I think she's also kind of portrayed as a little bit irritating in a way. Like she's obviously there going like, no, guys, quarantine. We can't let yeah. him in. And she's yeah. kind of made to be like the killjoy for the yeah. fact that she wants to play by the rules. I imagine if that had have actually been a male character, they wouldn't have quite gone in on her as much. Yeah, I don't possibly. know if that's me reading too much into it, but it, mm. it just, I don't know, it just, I feel like they do play a, play a, some disservice in, in some responses, but in, in Aliens, she gets she gets a moment to, to really shine. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's a, a very strong empowered female character in this and it's it's nice to see that type of role especially back in the mid 80s when there wasn't a lot of strong female characters out there really i can't think of any others that around at the same type of time that were getting that type of recognition probably sarah connor in terminator 2 but again, that's that's Cameron again. So. Yeah, and that's that's a few years later. I mean, Sarah Connor in the Terminator mm. is this wide-eyed innocent. Yeah. She, you sort of slowly see a transformation in there because it, she, you know, eventually does vanquish the Terminator. Mm. But prior to that, she is mm-hmm. relying heavily on a man to to get her through. So yeah, Ripley was a very very ahead of her time character in both in both films, yeah. in Alien and in in Aliens. But yeah. yeah, Cameron really knows what he's doing when it comes to writing strong female characters. He does. Even in Avatar, Nateri is yeah, yeah. you know a ferocious, respected warrior woman, and Jake doesn't try to change that. He lets her be that. No. Like Hicks lets Ripley when you know she's asking for training. He's just like, yeah, sure. I mean, she's a civilian technically, but he he sees in her that that power, and he's happy to support it. <laughs> If you want to be a the podcast, it's myfavoritefilmpodcast at gmail.com. 
on Twitter, it's my fave film. On Instagram, it's my favorite film podcast. And if you search on Facebook, it's about the same. Just search my favorite film. It's all over the place. The website is myfavoritefilm.com. Come join us there. See what's on there. That gives you all the links that I've just mentioned very fast. Um, our new theme tune is written and performed by the Craig Will Collaboration, whose new album, A Long Way Home, is available to buy, stream, download, whatever you like, wherever you want to. It's great. I suggest buying it or just downloading it for free because it is available on Spotify and all those ones. Um, Pat, is there anything you want to sell at this moment in time or, you know, tell us where we can follow you? So I can be found on socials at Gizmo Shikari on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. But recently I have sort of taken a sidestep away from horror and have started a podcast because we all have to have a podcast. Everyone's but a in podcast. my defense, my <laughs> four-year-old wanted to make the podcast. She okay. she loses she loses mummy a lot um when I go on to discuss films on on podcasts and she was like, can we do a podcast? So I was like, yeah, sure. And we now do Movies with Mummy, which is a, a bi-weekly micro podcast. No episode is longer than five minutes. And cool. it's just me and her chaotically chatting about some film or TV show that she has decided that she wants to talk about. So, Excellent. yeah, that's that's on Spotify, Apple, Google, and we are on Twitter at Movies with Mummy and Instagram at Movies with Mummy Pod. Brilliant. I'm just I'm intrigued now. What films have you covered on Movies with Mummy? Uh, well, it's it's very new. So we've done The Amazing Maurice, which is a Terry Pratchett animation. We have done Pussy in Boots: The Last Wish and the CBB's Disney Plus show, Bluey. She's currently obsessed with Marcel, the shell with shoes on, so that's probably going to be the next one. Excellent. Uh, yes. My kids are a bit older, and none of that makes any sense. Not <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. If you'd gone in the night we... garden, I'd been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she never really got into She liked the toys, but she never really got into in the night garden. Mm. Um, but like Wally and yeah, yeah. Frozen and that will be coming at some point and the Lego yeah. movie she's obsessed with the Lego movie um, but yeah it's five minutes of chaos and <laughs> she's very cute and I just feel like I have to watch my back now because she has started expressing an interest in doing interviews Ooh. so yes she's wow. definitely treading heavily on my turf now so. yeah. she wants to get guests on the show as well now yeah Yes, yes, she does. That'll she tells everybody about it, but it's it's very cute. But yeah, if you if you want like five minutes of timeline, you know, mind cleanse, then it's it's worth it. A yeah. listen. Sounds great. I'm, I might um, I might have a listen. Quick five minutes here and there. Be all right. Yeah. Um. Right. Let's get back to this film then. So, I was going to kind of go through. In the past, I've gone through the whole film, but that doesn't really work because it's quite a long film. It'll take us hours. So, but yeah, yeah. Who's? I think you. I think I know who your favorite character is going to be somehow. But I'm going to ask anyway. Who is your favorite character in the film? I don't know. I might surprise you. I mean, I've seen this film hundreds, if not pushing into thousand of times, <laughs> and I find that I mean, yes, obvious. The obvious answer is Ripley. Yeah. As a little girl, I wanted to be Vasquez because she was just cool. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> Hicks, Hicks and Hudson are great. I mean, I definitely had a crush on both of them at some stages <laughs> as a teenager. But I think the more I watch it, the more I identify with Frost, who's right, one okay, of the yeah. Marines who perishes quite early on, played yeah, by yeah, Rico yeah. Ross. He's just... I think it's the line delivery from from Rico Ross that really sells the character because he's the only Marine that is kind of aware of what's going to happen to some degree. Like he's on the dropship saying that he's got a bad feeling about what's going to happen and yeah. he's belittled by the other Marines saying, oh, you always say that for us. You always say you got a bad feeling. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, well, when we come back without you, I'll call your folks. And then he's the he's the one who reacts to being told that they can't have the, the heavy, heavy weapons in the plant. And he's like, what are we supposed to use? use harsh language i just feel that he yeah, is saying yeah. what you would genuinely be feeling in these situations yeah yeah absolutely and yeah i enjoy i enjoy him for that he's kind of 
almost a bridge between Hicks and Hudson in my mind. The more I, the more I watch him, yeah. the more I really, I really enjoy Frost. So yeah, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Frost on this occasion. Yeah. Good. Yeah, he's he's kind of the the everyman soldier, isn't he? I suppose that he he, he isn't the big. I'm just following the rules, and he's not that. I'm just gonna break every rule and just argue with everything. He's kind of in the middle, just yeah, holding his he's, own and yeah, he, sticking up for the rest a, of them, I suppose. Yeah, and he's everyone's friend. Like in the yeah, in the mess hall scene, you know, everybody sort of wants to like talk to him, and he's the one that's like asking what the mission is and stuff, and he's cracking jokes with with the Sarge. So yeah, it's if there's one if there's one marine that I could have saved from that initial frenzy, it would yeah. probably be Frost. I'd be like Frost. to see what would have happened with Frost. Nice a spin-off film with just Frost on his own. A could double act with Frost and Hicks. You well, know, yes, that'd be quite good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, has your your opinion on your favorite characters then has changed through time, and you've now settled on Frost? So. Would it originally have been Ripley and then it's moved through? Or I think it's just, there's just so many characters. I think the yeah, camera's done a really good job at writing such rich and complex characters all the way through. Um, I mean, even like Drake, there's some sort of subtext that there's more to his and Vasquez's relationship than just... yeah comrades there's a potential sort of love story yeah yeah love story there and i enjoy like each time watching it picking out different characters and trying to sort of like hone in on their their stories so yeah i mean i was ripley in the play so ripley (laughs) was my immediate go-to go-to favorite character but yeah as i've different times of my life and stuff i've identified with different characters in different ways yeah, Frost's your favourite character, and you did say you like him a lot because of his line delivery and things. Does that make him your best performance or favourite performance as well, or is there someone else that does a a better job of the the acting stakes, I suppose, and getting that stuff out there? Well, again, the obvious the obvious choice is Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. I mean, she managed to she managed to get an Oscar nomination for this film, yeah. which, if you consider the Academy's snobbish response yeah. to anything remotely genre that's not some dreary drama or period piece <laughs> or biopic the yeah. fact that she was even nominated obviously unfortunately she didn't win but the fact yeah. that she was even nominated just goes to show that there was something about her performance yeah. that warranted the academy to take note yeah exactly but I think I have to give a shout out as well to Paul Reiser, who plays yep. Burke, because yep. I think prior to this role, he was a big sitcom star in America. Yes. And he yep. was a you know a silly, lovable, lovable rogue type. And then he in this, he is the greed of yeah. 80s corporate America personified. Yep. And I like how he plays the really greasy, slimy, <laughs> yuppie aspects of of Burke. And I just, I mean, he he does still have those elements of of comedy. Uh, there's yeah. a the bit the the scene where the dropship has crashed and Hudson's running around saying "Game over, man." What you know, he's like, Game over, man. What are we gonna, how are we going to do now? Burke replies, like, Why don't we build a campfire and sing some songs? <laughs> and I never know <laughs> if he is joking with that line or if Burke is so deluded that he still doesn't realize the danger that any yeah. of them are in because he's this big company man and nothing can touch him. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. I, I think his performance is great. And then when it's revealed that he was the one that sent the colonists to the coordinates yeah. so that you know, he, he's kind of responsible for this massive tragedy that's affected this this planet LV-426. Yeah. And then he tries to kill Ripley and Newt or he tries to make them hosts for, for Xenomorphs. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's, the, it's one of the most horrific elements of the film is the fact that somebody could be dastardly enough to do this to somebody else. And as we yeah. all know from 
corporations and governments yeah, they yeah. are willing to play fast and free with people's Absolutely, with people's yeah. lives and i think this was a film in that moment that taught me that really a really young age to sort of not trust the company man yeah, yeah. um so I, I i do think that he gives a great performance it was very out of character for him at the time yeah and i still can't trust him i see him turn up in something <laughs> i don't trust him he was in one of the stranger things seasons and i was like no don't trust him no can't can't trust him because he's his book yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose that says an awful lot for his performance, doesn't it? That if you still don't yeah. trust him now, no matter what he's in, whatever character he's playing, then he must have played this one really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. This is a really difficult because I was going to say like favorite scene, but I don't think you can have one favorite scene. In this, so I don't know. Pick three or four of your favorite scenes. What would be the the best sort of bits of the film? And spoilers are absolutely fine. Don't worry about spoiling. The film people haven't seen it from '86. What are they doing? <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, an early scene that I enjoy is Ripley's awakening at Gateway Station, and yeah. it's play it's played as real time reality. She's woken up. Bert comes to visit her. He's brought Jonesy, yeah, um, in to see her, and then partway through the conversation she starts to experience chest pains and just before the chest burster is about to come out she wakes up and we realize it's been a nightmare i think that's one of the best examples of a nightmare in cinema because you just you you're so invested you don't there's no at any point any element of you that thinks oh she must be dreaming yeah, because it sneaks up so quickly. They're having a really mundane conversation, and Burke tells her how long she's been floating in space. Yeah, and then everyone construes her reaction as being like panic at the truth of that, and then it becomes this big, horrible nightmare sequence. So yeah. I enjoy that. I enjoy when Ripley calls uh, Jonesy a little shithead. Um, as an owner of as an owner of many a cat, um, yeah, <laughs> I definitely, I have definitely turned to my cats when I've been leaving the house, and I've definitely said, "And you, you little shithead, you're staying here." I have definitely <laughs> said that many times in my life. Um, other scenes would have to be the whole bit with the atmosphere processing station. Yeah, the the build up to that is perfect where they go from being like really jovial and like making jokes like Gorman's like what is that Hudson and Hudson's like you tell me man I only work here to then five minutes later after they've found this cocooned woman the tone completely changes and you can feel the air shift along with the with the marines feeling it and then the action is just so well done it's chaotic you don't quite know it's splitting between in the nest and the monitors, the camera monitors, yeah. and and then yeah. I think another scene to pick like a third scene would probably be the aftermath. It's only a short scene, but it's the aftermath of Burke having tried to attack Ripley and Ripley yeah. and Newt in a roundabout way. It's where they're talking about what to do with him. Yeah. And then they realize that they're under attack and there's this great suspense thing with the motion trackers and they're yeah. they're just reading out, you know, 10 meters, you know, yeah. four meters. And they're like, there can't be, that's inside the room. And then they suddenly realize that there's the air ducts and Hicks yeah. goes up and he sort of he pushes, he pushes the vent up and you just see all of these xenomorphs coming towards them. Yeah. And then again, it becomes this big scrum to, to try and get out. I really, I really enjoy that, that sequence yeah. as well. That, that's the first sequence where you really see the xenomorph really, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah. Kind it, of, I mean, I you see, yeah, you see bits of them in the nest. Glimpses yeah, yeah, this is, yeah. And it's there's the... so many of them. It's like yeah. where you, like you pick up a, a paving tile or something and then there's like loads of ants or whatever yeah. crawling around it's it's that kind of it's that kind of look and it's also the moment i think within the entire franchise where you first realize how clever they are yeah you know hudson's like because the power goes out and ripley's like they cut the power and hudson's like, what do you mean they cut the power they're just animals and it's yeah. that first inkling that no this is a very sophisticated creature 
yeah. that is capable of thinking to cut the power, to go in the air vents, to the, we can't go this way, we can't go that way, let's go this other way. Yeah. And that's that's terrifying. Yeah, it's a terrifying yeah. prospect that there's this thing that you can't reason with in any way, shape or form no. that just sees you as food. Yeah. And yeah. it is also far cleverer than you because it can see the, the holes in your plan that you thought was mostly ironclad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the, I suppose it's the, the perfect sort of uh, evolution of the alien from the first mm. film where you've just got one who, it does also appear incredibly clever in the fact it's on the, the shuttle at the end, you know, she's closed off the whole of the ship. It's going to be exploding. It's managed to get on the shuttle as well that she's going to escape on. Um, to see that evolution to go to this mass of them that are all working together as almost a, a hive mind to try and outwit them and at every turn. Yeah, it's brilliant evolution. Um, any other sort of standout scenes? I mean, you've, you've mentioned some of the... Yeah, I mean, the the big scene is the, the alien queen mm. fight. Mm. The, the power loader... A, a Ripley in a power loader versus yeah. the the alien queen. That is a great sequence, and I just love how in James Cameron sci-fi he has this technology that is so realistic that you yeah, assume yeah. it's yeah. just real. It took me many years to realize that like a power loader, like Ripley has, wasn't something that was routinely available uh, in yeah, the world. Yeah, I, I thought it was something that could very easily be. Oh, yeah, I could see that being something they've got. Because he uses a very, very similar technology in, in Avatar, doesn't he, with the, the big yeah, machines yeah. he has in that. Probably to it. I think they're bigger in that, but yeah, similar type of idea, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But, I mean, that scene's obviously, it's the big iconic yeah. scene yeah. of the of the film. And yeah. that's great. But I think for me, I really enjoy all of the bits with the with the Marines. Yeah. I think the camaraderie between the Marines is is brilliantly played, and they all work so well together. So yeah, yeah, yeah and it's great because they had they did have a mini boot camp before yeah. filming. They did all get put through their drilled paces, and yeah. uh, Al Matthews, who the late Al Matthews, who played Apone, was actually um, he did actually fight in the wars, and I think he was the first. Um, african-american to get promoted to a certain rank yeah uh, so he had some real world experience and just the fact that that michael bean managed to seamlessly sort of infiltrate himself as hicks because he was a last minute casting yeah. james ramar james ramar was originally originally down to play hicks but yeah. he unfortunately had a, a big drug issue at, at the time and yeah. he parted ways so that he could he could clean himself up yeah. and obviously having worked together on Terminator, James Cameron put a call in and he was there like the next day. Yeah. So they, all the Marines got to decorate their body armor themselves or yeah. the actors were, were given the things, but he inherited his, yeah. but he still, he still, he still wears, <laughs> he still wears it. Well, it yeah. But I, yeah. But I like that Cameron did let them have that time to really, hone in on their characters yeah. and to to decorate it in you know so like yeah. Vasquez has got he's got like various like quotes in like Spanish and stuff and yeah. then other characters have got like a a semi-naked lady and stuff because that's yep. probably what that sort of you know man would yeah, would it do it would make sense I enjoy yeah. those yeah I just enjoy those those little touches that that there are yeah I suppose it's, it's knowing as it well feel authentic yeah, knowing that the actors had done that themselves, it's not just a costume design thing. It's something that yeah. they've they've sat down and they've been together and and done it. And come, that's what we're yeah. going to do. That's what I'll do with my character. That's how he's going to Yeah, work. it was just like arts and crafts, wasn't it? It was they yeah. all went in one day, and there was you know James Cameron at a table with like some pots of paint and stuff. But there you go, guys. <laughs> Here's some glue and glitter. See what you can do with yeah, these costumes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that's what actually did happen, that he did just say that. Yeah, probably was, yeah. Yeah. Um I think this probably is an obvious question, because you've alluded to the, the scene. Um, but have you got a actually other than get away from her, you bitch, have you got a favorite line? I think Aliens has got so many, oh, it's so many loads, lines. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I love the little throw. I love that little throwaway line from Burke about building a campfire because it's yeah. just so ludicrous. Like, yeah. it's just like, and he's in the background as well. He's not the camera's not even really on him. You're not focusing him. You're much more focused yeah. on on Hudson and, and Ripley and Newt in the foreground, and I like that. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? There's, you know, there's newts. You know, they mostly come at night, mm. mostly. And uh, there's the whole taking off from, you know, taking you know, nuking the site from orbit and yep. um, the whole, he's just a grunt, no offense, non taken. Um, yeah, there's so many. Anything pretty much that Hudson says. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I relate heavily at the moment, given the temperatures in the UK, to the whole interaction of Frost saying it's as hot as hell in here and then yeah. Hudson replying, yeah, man, but it's a dry heat. And I just, I feel <laughs> like I'm living in that processing station at the moment. I, you know, stick it yeah. back on and get it's, the, it's the 4D. Here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get the 4D experience um, <laughs> of, of watching it in, in this heat. Maybe that's but, the ideal film to put on in this heat, actually, yeah. Yeah, um, you feel just like they do. I just, I don't know, like the Hicks's line, I with the shotgun. You know, I like to keep this handy, and then he cocks the shotgun for close encounters. Yeah, um, that's that's, that's good. and again, then Frost comes in with her. That he's just yeah. There's so many. It's so hard to, to. It's so hard to pick. Yeah, I mean, it, I I could I could sit here and quote you the film back. You know, I, I'm back getting that getting that in. in yeah, <laughs> it's becoming so, obvious that you know it like by line. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose um, 1986 when they were making action films, they they purposely made them with lots of those type of throwaway clip lines, and they were written that way so that people would quote them on the the playground, yeah. I suppose, or wherever on the water cool, whatever that happens to be that they were going to. Yeah. yeah, I like when Bishop Bishop's sent to the to remote pilot the dropship and before he yeah. gets into the pipe, which visually is oh, so claustrophobic. You just see him sort of crawling through this very very tight pipe. Yeah. Um that's that's a nice element of horror. But he's like, I may be, I may be synthetic, but, but I'm not stupid. And, and you know, I like that he's sort of acknowledging the fact that even he's kind of apprehensive about this um yeah yeah there's this i i like rip his little rant um (laughs) when she's the marines aren't listening to her um Mm. and they kind of start to chatter amongst themselves and she's all like if just one of these things got down here yeah yeah it's she's yeah and anything vasquez says um (laughs) she does get some of the best lines as we say (laughs) Yeah, and I like how there's a little in joke with again within the script where there is the the scene where Ripley is briefing them, and you know they're like Hudson's like somebody um, said alien, she thought they said illegal alien, and signed up, and yeah. that's because Jeanette Goldstein thought that aliens was about immigrants coming All to right, America. Okay. Right. Um, when she when she auditioned. When she originally auditioned. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, she thought it was going to be going to be that. So she like turned up in like like full long flowing hair because she plays um, John Connor's mum in Janelle in Terminator yep. Two. So yep. she came kind of looking like that, uh, and then she realised what it was, and she still she still got the part, and then she like shaved her head and everything. But I yep. like how they snuck that little little in jokes in, yeah. Yeah, a little, little yeah. nod to to her in, and it works in the context of the film. You don't, oh, it does. you know, you yeah. don't, you don't realize. Um, but yeah, there's just there's just so many quotes. It's yeah. it's basically just like the script. There you go. Everything's a favorite. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, do you think there's anything in, in the film that doesn't really work, or you don't like the way it is in the film? You wish it wasn't there because it just annoys you, or anything like that. I'm, I'm going to guess no, to be honest, but you never know. <laughs> I mean, the more times I've watched it, the more times I kind of find myself tuning out a little bit for the first 20 minutes and for the last 20 minutes. Right. Um, I like it from like 
I think it's 18 minute mark where the Marines turn up on yeah. the on the Sulaco. Yeah. And then to just before like as Ripley and Hicks get to the ship, just before Ripley says we're not leaving. Um that is probably due to I don't like Newt. I know it's controversial, <laughs> but I don't I don't like her. I guess maybe because I was so close in age to her when I watched it and possibly I yeah. want I wanted to be in the film, so there was just like some jealousy and deep rooted jealousy <laughs> that I've never been able to shift, but I just find her a little bit irritating. Um She is so. quite an irritating character. I mean, it has to be said, yeah. you know. There's there's some child characters that you watch in films and go, wow, like like Lex and Tim in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they Lex's Lex's job is to kind of be the irritating hysterical child. Absolutely. But you still get on board with them because yeah. that's a realistic reaction to dinosaurs trying to eat you. Yeah. But new, no, I just, I don't know the whole like I affirmative. Uh, no. And although maybe she has the best line, which is when she's in the, she's in the ducts and she's got Ripley's leather jacket on and Ripley's trying to hold on to her. And she goes, Ripley, I'm slipping. <laughs> and then it's like as she as she falls down the the ducks. Um, Is that the best line? Just because you wish she had just she'd continued to slip and was out of the film at that point. <laughs> well, apparently she she calls them like half a day's like extra work because she kept flubbing her line. Right. And then James Cameron worked out it's because she really liked going down the slide. <laughs> so it was like Carrie, let's get the line. And then you can play on the slide for the rest of the day if you, that's what you want to do. So then she was like, oh, okay. And then she did it perfectly, uh, like the first the first take after that. And then, yeah, she just like she went playing play it. <laughs> yeah. I think karma has come back to bite me in the ass, though, because I, I fully wholeheartedly believe that I have birthed Newt. <laughs> um, my daughter has... She has brown eyes like Newt. Oh. She has long, thick, unruly, wavy blonde hair like Newt. I wow. dressed her in dungarees um, when she was little, <laughs> and it was a similar sort of like stripy top. And uh, she turned around and looked at me and said, "Oh God, I've got a Newt. <laughs> what have I done?" Yeah, but then also she's she's reached that stage now where I'll be talking to her like about one of her toys or something, and she has she has been like, "Mummy." They don't do that because they're not real, which is so close <laughs> to Ripley. Katie doesn't have bad dreams because she's just a piece of plastic. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, God, I've got yeah. a new, I don't know what to do. Um, Useful so, yeah. fancy dress parties, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she can She can definitely pass for, yeah. for Carrie Hens, Ripley, so. <laughs> Yeah. And I wouldn't even have to tidy her up because obviously Newt's all grimy. So exactly. <laughs> just walk out the door. Throw more um, mud on her. <laughs> But yeah, I think I've I've softened towards Newt a little um, <laughs> as I've got older and now apparently have have <laughs> birthed birthed one. Um, but yeah, when I was a kid, she was just so irritating. I don't yeah. know. I was just like, oh, I'd be so much better at this. Like I wouldn't have been scared of the xenomorphs. I don't know. Yeah. So, so it was just jealousy. Then you just wanted to be in there. I feel it probably it probably yeah. was jealousy. Yeah, but she, I always like to stop the film before Ripley says she's going to save her so that I can pretend that she didn't, which is really dark. That's incredibly dark. <laughs> so that would be a better end of the film, would it, if just, she didn't bother? Just went back to the ship. They just, they just go, drop the bomb. Sorry, yeah. what can you do? Never mind. Yeah. These things happen. Um, we did talk earlier about um, James Cameron and strong female characters. What, what do you think of Cameron as a director and writer? And what, why do you think his version of this franchise is probably the most successful of the films they've made? I think you can never discount Cameron. A lot of people before Avatar 2 were like, oh, Cameron's had his day. He'll never yeah. do it. And then there he is with a third film in the highest grossing films of all yeah. time, top five. Yeah. You can never discount him. And this was an early example of what he could do because Aliens didn't have a fantastical budget. He didn't start no, no. to get fantastical budgets until, I don't think it was really until sort of Titanic that he started to get given like big numbers to play with. Yeah. Yeah. And him and his then wife and producing partner, Gail Unheard, did so much with so so little yeah 
And I know he gets dragged through for being a bit of a taskmaster, but I think that perfectionism, it bears results. You know, there's Mm. there's some directors that you hear that are dictators and then you see their film and you go, everyone clearly hated him. So they didn't do what he said in this. I think people disliked him, but they still respected his vision enough. I know that he was a a Canadian filmmaker coming across his film was made in, in England and he was, met with a British crew that did things very differently. Yeah, I know yeah. that there was there was fights over tea breaks because yeah. they're British and they expected their tea breaks. <laughs> and he was like Absolutely right. this is this is <laughs> he was very much like this is costing us money. You can't have your tea breaks. And yeah. it was a mini strike and some people left, but he worked I don't think any of those issues show through. You know, he replaced one of his principal cast members like two days before filming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unless you dig in, you don't know that Hicks was never no. was never meant to be played by by Michael. No. You know, you just go, yeah, of course he's he's got that dude from Terminator. So why wouldn't he have the other? You know, he's got yeah, he's got Hudson from he's got Bill Paxton from Terminator. He's got Lance Hendricks from Terminator. Yeah, yeah why wouldn't he have a third person? You yeah. know, it's it makes it sense. Is, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think Terminator was I mean, piranha was his it was piranha sequel was his first film yeah which was kind of terrible <laughs> just a gun for hire yes terminator he obviously showed himself as a voice to to follow yeah. but then to get to be trusted with the sequel having a yeah, yeah. terminator yeah. was a lot for the studios to do and well i believe I he, was, he, he was writing or he's brought on board to write the sequel like in 1983 or something like that so before Terminator came out so he was obviously someone had seen some of his writing and wanted him to do it but took a little bit longer to get it out there yeah yeah and then to trust to trust him to direct it as well as yeah. as write it but yeah I think the he respected the original but he made it his yeah his own thing like I said earlier yeah. he doesn't just lather rinse repeat what Ridley Scott did he took the bones of the idea he took the the xenomorph and the facehugger in Ripley and then transplanted them into this story of PTSD yeah facing facing your trauma getting you know empowerment through facing your trauma and then completing that life cycle that Scott hadn't quite figured out yeah and I think without aliens there would have been no route for the films that followed yeah yeah i think you're right yeah of which we've got well two two sort of proper sequels i suppose alien 3 and alien resurrection and then you've got the spin-offs with the predator (laughs) which maybe we won't talk about but and then, of course, Ridley Scott's gone back to the world to create the Prometheus and Covenant. What do you think of the Alien franchise and where it's kind of been in the past and where it's going to now, how it's kind of worked this completely new thing? Well, Alien 3, I think, gets a bad rep. Um yeah, I, I enjoy Alien 3. Mm. I might be biased because I did my dissertation at university on Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. Okay, fair enough. I, I wasn't allowed to do it on Aliens because lots of other people had written about it and had to well, be different. Yeah. So that's what I was told. Yeah. So yeah. I did I did um, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, specifically looking at the portrayals of masculinity and femininity. Yeah. And there's a, this great... the. the great relationship dynamic in alien three of ripley and clemens where she is very much the stereotypical male character in the relationship and he is the the sort of like the doting female yeah um and that was was on a prison planet and alien resurrection was josh whedon's like prototype (laughs) firefly crew yeah the the pirates and you've got you've got ron perlman and renona Ryder and got a french director and it all gets a bit weird i'm yeah. not sure i'm fully on board with the newborn no that's a bit but, weird isn't it but yeah yeah that's i think that kind of killed and killed it yeah um 
the Alien versus Predator films, I remember going to see a preview of Alien versus Predator and begging my friend if we could leave um, <laughs> because because they 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 messed up the the canon of like the gestation for the facehuggers. Yeah, it took like ten minutes, and then they were already like being being burst out of. Yeah, and I went over to my friend and said, "Can we leave?" And he was like, "No." And it's like, "But why?" <laughs> and it's like, "We have to see how much worse it gets." Uh, <laughs> which, Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um the second that's, that's one I don't mind. Too... There, definitely, isn't it? No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> the second one, I, I'm a completist, so I went to see the second one. Yeah. Uh, Requiem. That's grown on me over time. I kinda like that they brought it to to Earth in, yep. in some capacity. I think there's some good moments. And then Prometheus. I was so excited for Prometheus. And I like yeah, a lot wrong. of elements of yeah, I, I like I like a lot of elements of Prometheus, but I kind of feel that Ridley Scott's gone down this strange wormhole yeah. with the origins and stuff of the Xenomorph, which doesn't quite mm. feel right to me. And Covenant had some good kills, but I've yeah. pretty much forgotten everything it, about it. it yeah, like, must be. I, not I was long trying after to think, watching it. Yeah, I was trying to think last night when I was I was writing my notes for the. This I was thinking, I'll go through the different films. And I watched it, but I couldn't really tell you that much about it. It was very forgettable as a film. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know the big thing about Covenant that you remember is Michael Fassbender basically yeah. flirting with himself yeah. about <laughs> flutes. And it's kind of just felt so removed from the franchise because Alien, Aliens, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection are all yeah. very different tonally you've got a haunted yeah. house and action film yeah. prison drama and yeah. then uh space comedy in in some elements <laughs> yeah. with, with resurrection so yeah. then to get prometheus and covenant like this it just yeah. it just feels too strange and, yeah. and weird but i i'm sort of looking forward to the new like film and tv series that are coming out um Fede Alvarez is, yeah. is doing a film. Although the from what I've read, it feels a lot like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah. Meets Alien, which I'm not convinced by. I know it's a much younger cast, yeah. a much younger hipper cast, and I'm not sure I'm ready to see teenagers fight Xenomorphs. No. If, it's, if it's, I'm honest. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, I think there's so much you can do with this as a, a franchise. Um, and, but it's where you spin off from and how you do that. I think the the TV series looks like it's it's going to try and do aliens, but as you say, with a, a younger cast and maybe trying to mix aliens and Stranger Things somehow, which I'm not sure is the right way to go. But no, we'll see. the right way. To, yeah, the right way to go is the spin off books. Yes, there's a trilogy. There's a trilogy. Um, it's Nightmare Asylum. Um, Earth Hive and the Female War, yeah. which has xenomorphs on Earth. Yeah, and they in like the third book they decide to take the the fight to the um, to the original planet, not LV four twenty six, the original planet where yeah. the alien where the xenomorph came from, and they've got queens, and then they've got like, like an uber queen. Um, but the yeah. first couple of books where they they live in the sewers and things and they're like taking over New York city. I just think that that would be so, so cool to see on screen because it's something you can all relate to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is where, where the the plan was after resurrection was that 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 ship was going to land on earth and that was it. They were going to let them have xenomorphs on earth and that was it. You could go that way then. But obviously it was such a car crash for a film. It didn't quite work out, I suppose, but yeah. Okay. So we're kind of, covered a lot of it there most of the film to be honest i mean this all this extra sort of world building around aliens and things is it does it sully your view of the original or so the sequel i suppose of of cameron's aliens or do you feel it always will stand up as being that great film i think it stands enough on its own i feel that Prometheus and Covenant link far more into Alien than yeah. they do into Aliens. I kind of feel that maybe it has slightly tarnished Alien because right. it's the same director. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's decided to retrofit yeah. the film that started this whole franchise off. But I think Aliens is is safe. Yeah, where where it is. Um, it's also you know the legacy is not only the Alien films, but it has created so many similar sci-fi films i I don't think starship troopers would exist without aliens basically they've lifted cameron's of core marine characters you've got jake bussey being the the hudson and i guess you've got johnny rico being the 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 hicks to some degree and ironside being a pwn so i feel that there's lots of pretenders to the throne in a way, but aliens can remain sort of at the top of that pile. I don't think there'll be a film that, that tops it. Excellent. Um, anything you haven't mentioned, you've missed, you want to mention, or you think we've covered it in nice detail? <laughs> I think we've covered, we've covered a lot. The only thing, just sort of going back to the technology, we spoke about the power loaders, but yeah. there's just so much technology in, in this film that... Yeah. I, I always like say to my husband, why don't people just like go and talk to James Cameron? Because <laughs> he's got these ideas, just the whole hypersleep yeah. chambers. And, you know, I know it's sort of in Alien as well, but just, you know, going into a freezer and to do the deep space travel, it just yeah. to me, it was kind of a no brainer. I understand like the implications of like freezing somebody and getting them. That's probably the sticking point. That's probably the problem. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but just also like the, the weapons, you know, the smart gun, which yeah. the, you know, the motion, you know, the, the motion trackers and stuff, there's just yeah. so much cool tech that when I was a kid, I genuinely just assumed was real. The well, like, pulse rifles and stuff. I just, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's not there's nothing about the tech that he's got in this that doesn't feel like it could really exist. As you said, the, the power yeah. lifters are absolute perfect example of that. Why wouldn't you do that? It seems like a perfectly logical idea to have a skeleton around someone so they could do all that heavy lifting. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a it's a lived in tech as well. Yeah. It doesn't. It's obviously set in the future, but it doesn't feel too out there. No, it feels like it, it could still be just a couple of minutes down the road and, and we'll be there. Yeah, yeah it, it yeah. feels like that, that. this is a progression. It's like Ryan Johnson's Looper and Lee Wannell's Upgrade. They both do similar things as well. Yeah. It's not that shiny, glossy, sci-fi perfection, yeah. like uber computer thing that, you know, reads your mind and does whatever you want. It's yeah. it's it's gritty and grimy and sort of industrial. So yeah. it. It really sells it, and yeah, small seven-year-old me thought <laughs> that this, you know, was was real to some degree. I think maybe looking at the the video box, which was Ripley holding Newt, and like this time it's war and all that. Yeah, I think because the picture is so real, like realistic. Yeah, yeah, I think there was probably an element of me before, just before we put the film on, that thought it was a documentary in some way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for years I thought Arnold Schwarzenegger was a robot. So this is, <laughs> this is it's just what happens when you let a very small person, a very young person, watch a lot of James Cameron sci-fi. They yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking that Arnold Schwarzenegger is a robot and well. that we can freeze people in space. <laughs> I can understand completely. I mean, is Arnold Schwarzenegger? You're sure he's not a robot? You know, it's it's, it's difficult. Well, I mean, I've just it? watched his. I've just watched his documentary that's on Netflix, and yeah. he definitely is a machine in some form. His sheer focus, yeah, to achieve every goal that he set in his life, and then yeah. to do it at the absolute top pinnacle yeah. of that area is just ridiculous i just yeah. wonder if i had like an ounce of his dedication <laughs> to something like what i could achieve but i'm just yeah if you can be bothered yeah, <laughs> yeah. a lot of effort yeah especially when it's so hot why are you gonna bother yeah, yeah exactly okay last bit hard one this one can you sell the film in about 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen the alien franchise it's 
it's definitely well worth investing in. Um, if you like your horror, go for Alien. But if you like something a bit more action packed than Aliens, Aliens is the film for for you. It has some great moments of of gunfights and explosions and tension and chasing and everything that you like from an action film. It's also got what you like from a sci-fi film, which is the aliens and the tech. It's got an Academy Award nominated performance. It's got humor. It's got heart. It's got a mother-daughter story. It's got a bit of a, a love story with Ripley, Ripley and Hicks. It's got people overcoming prejudices with ripley befriending bishop who is a synthetic person it's yeah it's got it ticks a lot of a lot of boxes i think for a lot of people even if you're not the biggest sci-fi action or horror person i think you can still find something in in aliens to enjoy excellent thank you very much and thank you very much for coming on it's been a pleasure to talk to you um just remind people where they can find you out there in the big worldwide webby thing that we've got Yep, so I am at Gizmo Shikari on Twitter, Instagram and Letterboxd and there there is like a link tree which will take you to all manner of, of my work that I do. Excellent, I'll link that in the show notes and your new podcast, of course. Something yes, the Chaotic me. Podcast. Yeah, we'll put a link for that on as well. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming on and bye-bye for now. Get away from her, you bitch! <sighs>